So I'm really excited tonight. You know, when I first found out that um, we wouldn't be moving to Sundays as of yet, I really wanted to be on Sunday mornings by Easter, but it didn't happen. And um, when I was kind of bummed out and I was crying to God about not being on Sundays yet, God said, spoke to me very clearly and he said, there's a lot that happens in between. And so Good Friday, we celebrate. It's Good Friday. Today, typically, it's not really Friday. It's more of a Thursday thing. But to be specific, Friday is the day that, you know, we talk about Jesus dying on the cross and then Sunday being the day that he resurrects, right? And so Saturday is here we are. So turn your and say, happy, happy Saturday, neighbor. Imaginary neighbor, happy Saturday. So we're in between, right? And so tonight, I'm so excited because God's given me a word, and it's called the story of the in-between. Story of the in-between. If you look at the definition of in-between, it's situated somewhere between two extremes. So again, my title is the story of the in-between, and in-between is defined as situated somewhere between two extremes. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to go to Luke chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 19. I am in the New Living Translation tonight. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. And as Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. And the rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son... Remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted. Lazarus had nothing. Now he's here being comforted, and you are in anguish. Verse 26. Besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here. No one can cross over to us from there. The rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, they will repent of their sins and turn to God. Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Ask your neighbor, has someone risen from the dead? So as we look at this story tonight, and we want to paint the picture of being in between, and so this is the verse that God gave me, and again, the story of the in-between, we look at first the rich man, and the rich man was defined as a man who was clothed in purple, right? He had a fancy purple robe. It took a lot to have a purple robe. Obviously, number one, takes money, but number two, 10,000 shellfish, 10,000 shellfish to get a little bit of dye, color your robe. 10,000. And we're not talking, you know, we don't know if this guy, he could have been short, he could have been tall. We had no idea, you know, if he had a big robe, a little robe. But a very little amount of dye, 10,000 shellfish. So what the shellfish gave for this man to wear the purple robe. And, and purple is defined being royalty and obviously also rich, right? Took a lot to have this. It said that this man lived in comfort, luxury, 
every single day. Now, how many of us, you know, how many of us, we have days where we're comfortable? But how many of us have had it, you know, in our like six to 35 years of living, comfort every single day, right? Every single day. This man, every single day, he had comfort, luxury. To me, when I read this story, it tells me this man was self-consumed. He loved his money, loved his comfort. And every single day, to think that he ignored a poor man who was right outside of his house, poor man. And we're, we're not talking he had a mile driveway. He didn't have one of those long mile driveways, right? This man, he had a poor man who was right outside of his house every single day. And every single day, he ignored this poor man. It says that the rich man dies and he goes to the place of torment. As soon as he dies, the first thing that this guy does is he starts giving orders. He hasn't changed. Even even as soon as he's dead and in this place of torment, it says he says to Father Abraham, hey, can you send Lazarus? Can you send that guy? Oh, yeah, that, that guy, he was in front of my house. Can you send him to give me some water? I'm thirsty. He's still barking orders. He hasn't learned his lesson. Now in torment forever, all of a sudden, now he's separated from all that is good, all the comfort, all the luxury that he had in his life. The very first moment he starts thinking and being concerned for someone else, wasn't concerned for mom and dad, maybe they're gone, but he was concerned for his five brothers. The very first time this man had a concern for anyone else, he's in the place of torment, and he starts thinking of his five brothers. He says to Father Abraham, hey, can you send Lazarus back from the dead? Maybe if, if you send Lazarus back from the dead, maybe, just maybe, just maybe my brothers will listen. The rich man ignored the word of God in his life. Now he was afraid that his brothers would do the same. We know that the, um, Lazarus, it's the poor man defined in this story, who was a beggar covered in sores all over his body. Never had sores, and I have never had sores all over my body. But I remember as a kid, you know, having scabs. And when I was, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, you had scabs. It was cool to have scabs, right? And when you fall off your skateboard or you fall off your bike and you, you cut up your leg or you slide into first, whatever it may be, and you had scabs, it was cool back then, right? This was not that kind of cool. This guy had scabs and scars, sores all over his entire body. He lived his whole entire life, it says, in misery and poverty. This man lived longing, not just for filet mignon. This man lived not just for a nice carne asada burrito. This man lived more than just a nice prime rib or ribeye steak. It says that he was longing, deep longing for scraps, crumbs. If, if someone, just give me a little crumb. This poor man would sit there every single day begging, and it says that dogs would come and lick his open sores. And for all the Jewish people listening in the story as Jesus told this story, this is when they all were grotesque, they were grossed out, and they became upset because for them, dogs are gross. And so to picture dogs licking a man's open sores, and for most of us, that's just yuck, right? Lazarus, after his whole entire life of poverty, pain, misery, he dies. But for him, it says he's carried to Abraham's side. And Abraham's side is defined as the place of blessing. Turn to your neighbor and say, blessing. Also defined as the place of paradise. Paradise, doesn't sound nice. Now, for both of these men in this story, both of these men, 
their life began the same, right? When their mother had given birth to them, they came out exactly the same, right? Naked and with nothing else, right? Naked and nothing else. These two men started life the same. And in the end, these men ended their life the same. They both ended their life with nothing at all. But even though they began the same, ended the same, the life that they lived in between was a very different life. It was a very different life. How many of us know that people are so different in many ways? And in this story, we see two men who are complete opposites, defined more by their possessions because there was a rich man and then there was a poor man. And so for these two men, they were so extremely different, one who was in pain and misery, the other who was comfortable and just so wonderful. How many of us know that our differences sometimes, they bother us? For the rich man in this story, he was bothered by the beggar who was out front. He was bothered. He probably said, as I've said in my life, you guys are poor for a reason. They don't get off their butt and get a job. Right? How many of us have ever looked at the homeless and said, well, they're homeless for a reason. They're homeless because they're not out there working like me. I'm slaving away and I'm working by the sweat of my brow every day and, you know, shoveling this and doing this. Right? How many of us have ever looked at people who are less fortunate and instead of having compassion, like the rich man, get a little judgmental. And well, they're in that, that situation, maybe they deserve it. Right? And, and they even go beyond money and homeless. How many of us looked at people? How many of us in our 35 years of living, we have been so bothered by people who are different than us? You know, it was in junior high. It was in high school. And it's even today as adults. We as adults, we still don't mesh with every single person on this planet. Most of us in here, we still get bothered by other people who have different personalities, who just are different, and they get under our skin. Some people are louder. Some people are quieter. Some people are just annoying, right? Some people laugh extremely loud, and that laughter sometimes bothers other people. Differences, differences bother us as people. Being different bothers us. Just like it bothered the rich man in this story, it bothered him that this man sat in front of his house every single day. Now, just to take a step back, God made all of us different for a reason. And if you accept that, it's a blessing. But most of us treat it like a curse. Most of us, do you think that God is pleased when any one of us make fun of one of his kids? Just as parents, if you have a kid in this room, if someone makes fun of your kids, how many of you pull out the gun, the machete, and the claws, and you're ready? <sighs> Don't talk about my kids, right? Yet how many of us have made fun of other people? And what do you think God is just sitting there laughing along with you as you make fun of somebody else? How many of us, we turn on TV and we criticize person after person after person after person? Those are still God's kids, how many of us know people in this planet, they look different, they sound different, they chew their gum different, they do cartwheels differently than we do, and it just bothers us. But I, I need to ask you to, to take a step back and ask yourself, the next time you talk about another person, say to yourself, the person I'm talking about is either God's son or God's daughter, and would he be pleased with me talking about them right now? Just as a mom and just as a dad, believe me. Anyone says anything about my kids, I'm ready, right? It's go time. 
I just wonder what God has to feel because how many of us spend hours in a week? Not, not minutes, not even seconds. Most of us in this room spend hours doing what? Talking about differences of other people. God hasn't put you here to do that. Other people are a blessing. Stop treating them as a curse. It's a blessing to be different. But this rich man, he lived a life of ignoring. Ignoring in the, in the dictionary means to refuse to take notice or acknowledge, to fail or to consider. Refuse to take notice or acknowledge, fail to consider anything or anyone. This rich man defined, he ignored this poor man every single day, failing to take notice, failing to acknowledge. I don't like to be ignored. Do you like to be ignored? Yet how many of us ignore people who desperately need our time and attention? We all have, most of us have kids. Number one, our spouses and our kids, they need our time and attention. But number two, all of us live in this place, Hemet, Seneceno, Val Vista. There are other people who God has put into your life for you to give your time and attention to as well. But most of the time, it's not who we choose, it's who God chooses. Because if we're going to spend time being nice to somebody... It's going to be, we want it to be on our terms, right? God, I'll minister for you. I'll pray for somebody, but I got to pick. I, I get to be the one, right? How many of us know that as people, we're picky. We are picky people. Even when it comes to God, we want to pick what we do when we do it for him. God isn't, I want it to be like that. If he puts somebody in your life, it's going to be someone who bothers you. It's going to be someone who gets under your skin. If God puts somebody in your life, it's going to be the person who just gets on your nerves. And that's the person God's saying, stop ignoring them. Stop running away from them. Stop ignoring their calls. Stop ignoring their texts. I have put you in their life for a reason. This rich man, he ignored the poor guy his whole life. His whole life. I can't imagine what it feels like if he was you know, 35 years old when he died, for this poor guy to be ignored every single day. We get ignored for five minutes when we want our wife's attention, husband's attention, kid's attention, boss's attention, whomever it may be. If we're demanding attention, we want to wait five seconds. We can't wait. When we're through the drive-thru at Starbucks, when it is our turn, we want it now, right? Our way right now. Our way right now. Think about living a whole, your whole entire life ignored. And think about being ignored from someone who you desperately are asking attention from. This is where this man found himself, the poor man. Every single day of his life, desperate. Wish this guy would notice me. And I wish this guy would just give me just a crumb. Just, just a little sliver of that filet mignon today. Just a little, you don't have to give me the mashed potatoes and asparagus. Just a little sliver of the filet mignon. Ignored every single day of his life. Jesus said, as in Matthew 5.43, I've heard the law says, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who are mean to you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. He gives sunlight to both evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. If you love only those who love you... What reward is there? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are only kind to your friends, how are you different than anybody else? Even pagans do that. 
Jesus said, but I'm asking you to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Don't ignore the people God's put in your life. God's put people in your life for a reason. Be there for them. You know, and sometimes I look at the other side of the coin for this, this guy who was there. I wonder if the, the victim mentality set in at some point. Because how could you be there every single day and be ignored and then not let your mind wander to think like, man, my life stinks. Man, my life is horrible. Man, all I'm just asking for a little bit, but no one, not even this guy, he has all the nothing. I wonder for this guy who sat there begging if he ever started to feel like I'm a, I'm a victim and nobody likes me and everybody hates me and the world's coming crashing down all on me. Life is unfair. And I look at this word today and I have to tell you, we have hundreds of thousands of people who feel like they're a victim. We have so many people across the whole entire world who feel that they are a victim. And I have to ask you one thing. God wants you, if you feel, if you've ever felt that you're, you're being a victim, that someone is taking advantage of you, that are purposely hurting you, does God want you to run out and to tell the world or just tell him? Does God want you to come to him if you ever feel that life is unfair, if you ever feel that you're being put down, mistreated, that you should have had ten raises, but the guy over there across the street, he got my ten raises. Does God want you to complain and go tell everyone in the whole entire world how unhappy you are? Or does God want you to continue to pray until your situation changes? For this man in this story, I have to think, life, that, would, that would be just rotten to be licked by dogs. I mean, as much as I like my dog, Jax, I can't imagine him licking my sores every day, right? We hang out every day, but I can't imagine going there, right? That's just gross, right? can't imagine begging for food when I'm hungry and I need it. need it now, right? But to beg, he had to feel at some point, I wish someone decided to take pity on me. Don't be the victim. Your father in heaven, he loves you. He cares for you. And you know what? Sometimes he allows certain things in life to happen because you don't talk to him enough. And when things happen, typically we as people pray more Life's not going our way. Don't complain. Tell the whole world. Pray even more if life's not going your way. And so tonight, my title again, the story of the in-between. Two men were born in the story. Two men died in the story. And two men lived two different lives completely in between. One unfortunately ended not so good where he ended in the place of torment. For the other man, he ended in a place of blessing. This is the story of in between. And all of that is my intro, just to paint a picture, just to paint the picture of a life that is in between. And I, I, I took a step back, and it was when God gave me this word in between. He said, There's so many people who are stuck and living a life in between. In 2020, in relationships, in finances, in, in so many different things, in our jobs, so many people are stuck and they're living a life in between. We find ourselves, so many people finding themselves stuck spiritually. How many people in the last year spiritually found themselves stuck, unable to grow, unable to push forward because they're stuck somewhere in between? 
How many people have had hard relationships in the past year? Not able to fix. We as people, how many of us, we love to fix things, right? Bob the Builder, we love to fix it. We love to get it done, right? But how many of us in certain different relationships, those relationships aren't being fixed? Why? Because some reason, something is, is causing is causing those relationships to be stuck in between. Sometimes, as we take a step back, we see that the beginning is very important. Beginning of life is amazing, giving birth. But the end of life is, is vitally important. What happens at the end is going to be determined by what you do in the middle. What happens at the end of your life is determined by what you do in between. Your life ends is being written right now by what you're doing in the in-between. How you stand before God one day and every single person will stand before the Lord. What happens in that moment is being defined right now by how you're living in between. The end is so vitally important because we see a tragic ending for this guy who ended his life. And it was so hot and he was so thirsty. Please, I just have a little bit of water. This rich man, he lived a great life. And he thought, I'm doing what I should be doing. I'm making money. I'm investing. I'm doing all of those great things. I'm comfortable. And how many of us have ever said that? I need to do this, this, and this so that I can be what? Comfortable. Do you think God wants money to be your comfort? Or does he want God to be your comfort? How many people every single day, it's not God, it's money. And that's what this man was going through. It's my money that makes me comfortable. And for him, because how he lived in between is that he went to the place of torment. There's a story that Jesus taught about rich people. Luke 12, 13, it says, someone called the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother, divide my father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Stop measuring life by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm, produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. Then he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger ones. Then I'll have more room, oh, enough room to store all the, my wheat and my goods. I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry. And God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night and you will get everything you work for. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth on earth. Many people today, and especially because what we've seen last year, are looking to money to be their comfort. God can take your life at any second. And if you think that you can store up for a nice retirement, you may not make it. You might not make it. If God is your comfort, then God will give you every single day as he chooses. God will also take away at the point that he decides. Story of the in-between, the end. You know, what, you know what the good news is? It's not over yet. Not, it's not over yet. Not yet. Turn to your neighbor and say, not yet. Because you know why? You're still here. I'm still here. We are still here tonight. Life is not over. So if we haven't lived the best of the in-between, if we're not living the best of the moments that God has given to us, we can say to ourselves, yes, there still is a chance. I still have a little hope because it's not over yet. A couple more stories and I'm going to close. 
Matthew 28, verse 1, which brings us to the beautiful resurrection. Early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly a great earthquake. An angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, sat on it. His face was shining like lightning. His clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him. They fell into a dead faint. And then the angel spoke to the woman, don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. But he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Just as he said what happened. Come see where his body was lying. Now go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. And so the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened but also filled with joy. You ever remember those days being frightened and filled with joy at the same time? This is exactly where they were. They were frightened but filled with joy. They rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them there and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and they worshipped him. Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. They will see me there. And so tonight as we start to wrap up, you see, we told the story of the in-between. Only, only just to paint the picture of those two men, but then to also to think about our own lives and how we're living in between while we wait. Jesus, early Sunday morning, Sunday morning, was resurrected from the dead. His story isn't over yet. How many of us know that when Jesus died today, that his disciples went through a little rough patch? How many of us know that when they, when they realized, man, Jesus is gone, and they didn't understand everything that had happened, and they didn't really fully understand yet everything that he had said, they didn't get it yet. And so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, while they were waiting in between, God was still moving. Between Thursday, Friday, Saturday, God was moving in a mighty way. And they had no idea. The girls getting up early, they took some spices because they wanted to put it in the tomb. Because they thought Jesus' body was still there and it was going to be stinky and it was going to be gross. As they get to the tomb, to find that the stone had been rolled away. And they were talking on the way. How are we going to roll away the stone? There's just two of us. You're kind of buff and I'm not so buff. So how are we going to do this? Who's going to do it? Maybe we can bribe, you know, a couple guards and, you know, give them a jar of myrrh or whatever, right? Maybe we can do a little bit of this. Maybe we can do that. But they didn't have to because as soon as they got to there, as soon as they get to the tomb, it was rolled away and everything in this moment changed. Everything in this moment changed. And you need to say to yourself, you need to say to your neighbor right now, everything is changing. Everything is changing. Jesus said, John chapter eleven twenty five. 25, he told her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And then he said, do you believe this, Martha? You know how good God is? When he was dying on the cross, there was two men who were next to him. One of the men wanted to complain and throw insults and probably cuss at Jesus a little bit. But you know what the other one did? He said, friend, shut up. He deserved to die. Jesus, he didn't deserve to die. It was this man who was next to Jesus taking one of his last breaths. Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. Today you will be with me in paradise. That man's ending. And so his in-between, he lived a horrible life. He was a criminal. He was a bad person. 
But at the end of his life, and in one second, he made the right choice. He stood up and he defended Jesus and said, I deserve to die. I'm, I'm the sinner. I, I'm the murderer. I'm the criminal. I'm the one who steals and cheats. I deserve to die. But this man does not deserve to die. And so in one second, in one moment, his in-between life was completely erased. His in-between life that he lived was completely changed. And his ending now, he had a complete new beginning. Because of why? Because he was next to Jesus. We don't get to choose God is going to accept into heaven. But I know that one day when we get there, we might look around and say, oh, I can't believe that person made it. I really didn't like that person. I really didn't like you know, Joe Schmo and Sue and this person over here. I really didn't like them. If a heart truly cries out to God, God declares them innocent and welcomes them into heaven, that's not your call, that's not my call, but that's his call, right? It's his call. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life. He's the one who brings that power and new beginning to every single heart. I'm going to close with one last verse. Luke 16, 27. The rich man said to Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, they will repent of their sins and turn to God. And as he was dying and he was going to live the rest of his life in torment, begging, begging for help. Because he didn't want his brothers to come to the place of hell with him. Life is short. We do not want to wait till the end. God is graceful. is powerful. Let's not wait to the very end. For ourselves, for our kids, for our brothers, for our sisters. I have a very short video and then we're going to close and pray. We were not created to live stagnant lives, to be stuck, bound, or broken. We were created with a purpose, a calling, a mandate, a mission. Even in these uncertain times, that calling remains the same, to go into the world to make disciples, to share the love of Jesus. This is the work of Easter, the greatness of God, the power of the resurrection in action. What Jesus did has changed us, made us a new creation, given us an unimaginable hope. Grace has taken root. Mercy has flooded our souls, and the promise of eternity has redefined our everything. So why keep all that to ourselves? It's time to put Easter in motion, to make a difference, to share Jesus with the world around us. If your life has been changed, it's time to get to work. The story of Easter is a beautiful, beautiful story. It's a beautiful time. And honestly, 
you know, as I was first bummed out about what day, you know, I celebrated Easter and what day we have Easter service, but God had to spank me and say, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's how you celebrate, when you celebrate, but it's that you do celebrate. You shouldn't be bothered by what day. You shouldn't be bothered by what hour. You shouldn't be bothered if there's donuts or no donuts, right? What's most important is that we do celebrate, that we take time because it's very, very important. There's a beginning, there's an end, but it's what happens in between. Right. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, I need you to take a moment tonight. We've talked about beginnings. We've talked about endings. And we've talked about and, and painted and tried to paint this picture of a life in between. And so as we're talking about it, as we're thinking about it, it's so vitally important. How am I living the life in the in-between? I had a beginning because I'm here now. One day I'm going to have an end and I'm going to die and I'm going to go somewhere. But how am I living my life today? How am I living my life today? How am I living for the God of the in-between? How am I living and giving myself fully to the God of the in-between? What am I doing in my life now? What am I doing? What am I saying? Am I like the rich man who's living for comfort? Am I like the rich man who's living for money? Am I like the rich man who's self-consumed and I have to have the best robes and the best this and the best that? Am I like the rich man who I'm ignoring all the poor people because I think they're no good? How am I living in the in-between? How am I living? How am I speaking? And so with your eyes closed and heads bowed, you know, I think there's moments and days and times and seasons where we have to say, God, forgive me. Because God, sometimes I do lose my focus. And God, sometimes I do lose my, my direction. God, sometimes I do take my eyes off of you and I am sorry. God, I am so sorry. Life is happening fast and crazy, God. God, forgive me. Stand with us. <clears throat> Tonight, you know, as we start April, it's April 3rd, 2021. It's a beautiful weekend and it's a beautiful night to say, God, forgive me. To say, God, no one and nothing, no one and nothing is going to take my eyes and attention anymore. You are my God of the in-between. You're the God of this situation that's right here in front of me. You're the God of my life. In every relationship, it's you. You are my God. It's not money, God, but it's you. You are my God. God, it's not comfort and security. It's not even health because it's just you, God. I'm going to be consumed with you. And so tonight as we get ready to sing and then we're going to exit and leave and we're all going to go about our lives. Tonight in this moment, in this second, and in this story, everything could be lost and everything could be forgotten. You can go on tomorrow and you can do the same things you did tomorrow that you did yesterday.
with your ending maybe getting closer than what you think and what I think because how we're living in the in-between. So God, we come to you tonight and we say, God, we are sorry, God, for where we have placed our hopes and comforts and securities. God, we're sorry for how we've lived our lives sometimes out of focus. Forgive us. God, forgive us sometimes for living for money and possessions. God, we choose you. We choose you. You're the resurrection in life. We choose you. As you resurrected, resurrect our bodies. Resurrect our minds. Resurrect our feelings and our emotions tonight. Resurrect the rest of our life. And help us, God, as we live in between.